is a special day on the church calendar. Not just our church calendar, but all church calendars. Today is actually Pentecost Sunday. It has been seven weeks since Jesus rose from the dead. Not really. He's been alive for 2,000 years. But think of yourself in terms of the New Testament church. Easter was a great day. The resurrection of Christ, but that was only the beginning of a whole new season of kingdom work for God. And it was a short few days after that that uh, Jesus began to just spend time with his disciples, encouraging them, talking them about what's going to be ahead. He spent 40 days with them, and then he ascended to the heavens. And they said he's going to come back in the same way that he left. And then a few days after that was Pentecost. Now, Pentecost, as we looked at a few weeks ago, was actually a Jewish holiday celebrating the giving of the law through Moses when he came down from the mountain, the Ten Commandments. And so Pentecost was known not for what we know it today as when the Holy Spirit came, but it was known as when God gave his word. So God takes Pentecost Sunday and he sort of freshly redeems it. And instead of giving us the word through the scriptures, the written word, uh, as it was going all the way back to Moses, he ends up giving us himself, his spirit. And the spirit of God, Jesus himself, came back through the heavens and penetrated the life of each and every Christ follower on the day of Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. Does Easter seem like a long time ago to you? Time keeps moving, moving, moving away. But that day of Pentecost didn't happen in modern uh, 20th, 1st century where they had uh, social media and everything. So how did word get around? I mean, again, tragically yesterday was another terrorist attack in uh, London. And all of us, uh, we should be mindful in prayer and, and the sensitivity to what's happening in our world. But all of us sort of knew about it within a short period of time. Why? Because we have social media, we have news, we get text, and we, uh, so we're in the know. But think about it on the day of Pentecost. What happened there in Jerusalem? Did people get to be in the know? No, they didn't. They had to get in the know by those disciples, those Christ followers, going from town to town, village to village, and encouraging people that Jesus was not only alive, but that he sent his spirit to be with us and to dwell within us. If you're to look at Acts 19, you find these um, uh, thoughts from Paul on his third missionary journey. He says this, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior providence. Finally, he came to Ephesus, where he found several believers. He asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We don't know what you mean. We haven't heard that there is a a Holy Spirit? Then what baptism did you experience, he asked them. And they replied, well, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism was to demonstrate a desire to turn from sin and to turn to God. John himself told the people to believe in Jesus, the one John said would come later. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in a hall. We've been in this series on the Holy Spirit now for five Sundays, and today we sort of button it up. One of the primary reasons that I felt God led us into this series is so that you can answer the question, 
when someone asks you, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? Have you heard about the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit is not just Father, Son, Holy Spirit kind of repertoire. The Holy Spirit, as we've looked at, is a person. And we can have a relationship with that person. On the back side of your bulletin on your program list, um, some of the points of thought that we've been going through. I just want to reiterate this. You know, it's interesting. Um, I had my uh, son Levi graduate this week. Levi, you're still in here. That's good. Big day of accomplishment for my boy. And uh, not only uh, did he graduate, but my daughter, I went to one of her programs, and she had three different kinds of certificate awards. And I was thinking through all the work that our kids do to learn and how proud of them that we are. Well, I want you to know that I'm not going to give you the final test today. I've given you the answers for the final test, though. It's on the back of your program. But I trust that you have learned, and not only learned, but maybe come to experience this Holy Spirit in a deeper and more dynamic way. And so we're just going to go right back over those points real quick. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, feeling, or fabrication of anybody's mind. The Holy Spirit is God, co-equal, third person of the Trinity, uh, no uh, less God than Jesus, no less God than God the Father. And the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the word that Jesus used, which means helper, advocate, comforter, counselor, one who comes up alongside of. That was his primary definition of who the Holy Spirit is. He is your companion. The Holy Spirit indwells. The born-again believer, the Christ follower at conversion. If you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ in your life, you have the Holy Spirit. So also, if you have chosen not to be a follower of Jesus Christ in your life, don't fool yourself. You don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling within you. Now, the Holy Spirit can influence you and speak to you, which he does, but he's not dwelling within you. The Holy Spirit transforms. That's his job, to transform the believer, to sanctify is a bigger word. The, Holy, the Christ follower who has yielded to his control is continually being transformed by the Holy Spirit into the likeness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives power for two things, for holy living and for effective, bold witness, as evidenced on the day of Pentecost when they stood up and they began to proclaim God in many languages. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is both a crisis and a progressive experience. It's one of the key points we walk through in, the, in these weeks. Again, at conversion, you have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have all of you? And so you come to a crisis moment many times in life where you say, I can't do this life on my own. And you lay down and you fully surrender 110% to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a crisis moment of being filled with the Spirit. But then Ephesians says to keep on being filled with the Spirit. And so it's a progressive, ongoing experience because we leak. To learn the voice of the Holy Spirit, we talked about last week. And the primary voice of the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. In some beautiful, not condescending kind of ways, but enlightening us to truth because he's the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the writing of the Holy Scriptures in which we hold in our hands or are on our iPhone today. And those scriptures, we need to trust the word of the Holy Spirit, the revelation and the truth inspired therein. And then the last point last week was to not sin against the Holy Spirit, to not resist, grieve, quench, or suppress the Holy Spirit. So I have two more today to finish out. The first is to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now let me tell you something that happened in this. I wanted to do a series 
on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I will sometime do a series more on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we started to realize as we shared together some of us um, leaders and discerners of God for us as a body that we can't talk on the gifts of the Spirit until we really as a church body know more about the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. But today I want to just park here briefly on the gifts of the Holy Spirit because many times that's where people's minds go. The Holy Spirit, oh, aren't those spiritual gifts? Aren't those some like really unique, weird kind of gifts and some pretty cool gifts and other common gifts? Well, maybe there's ignorance on your part. There's ignorance a lot of times with believers on this as evidenced by 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, Paul says, brothers, sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's a nice word for saying ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Are you ignorant? Or are you well informed? Do you understand spiritual gifts? If not, then dial in for the next 20 minutes. We're just going to share some scriptures related to spiritual gifts. Now, if we're going to do an intense study on spiritual gifts, we would camp in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. That's sort of the major body of understanding spiritual gifts. But what I'd like to do is to look at some other passages that are reflecting on um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and sort of give a broad understanding of the purpose for the gifts. All right? It says this in Romans 1. It's the first place that you will see the term spiritual gifts. Paul says this, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow God will, God's will, I may, know at la- I, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. The book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul because he wanted to get to the Christians in Rome. He wasn't able to get there, so he sat and he penned this, all right? And so we have his instructions to them coming out in this first chapter of Romans. Verse 11 and 12 says this, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine. Let me pull on a few thoughts here. The first is this. Spiritual gifts are given. All right? But this particular passage is not the Apostle Paul going around to impart and give out, hey, here's a gift, here's a gift, you got a gift. I got a gift. I, I surprised my daughter last night. She bought one of those Polaroid cameras now. That thing's always flashback stuff. It's one of those little trap kind of gifts, you know, because you buy the camera and it's sort of cheap, but then the film's like really, really expensive. So she spent her money to buy the Polaroid camera, but she didn't have the money for the film. I'm like, every time you take a picture on that Polaroid stuff, that's like 60 cents or whatever. Well, I got her a gift. I got her some film. It came in the mail. Last night, I said, hey, here's a package for you. Now, if my daughter were to say, oh, forget it, Dad, I would have been hurt, right? But she took the gift, and she opened it, and she cried. No, she didn't. <laughs> she was elated. She got some film for her Polaroid camera that she can now take with her on vacation kind of deal. And she was excited. She received and embraced the gift. Then she started talking to me about the whole Polaroid thing. You can't open the camera with the film in there. And I'm thinking, we learned that when we were real little, but they don't have film today, right? So anyway, the gift idea we can all identify with. Spiritual gifts are given to you. You don't have them before 
you're a Christ follower. But the gifts that are given to you are not given from people. No matter how much people want to maybe lay hands on you even. The gifts are given by God at his discretion. And what we have here, for I long to see you, Paul says, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to the strengthen you. He is talking not about the gifts that he's going to give them for them to receive, because that comes from the Holy Spirit. But he has been given a gift himself. And he wants to extend to them. He wants to impart to them the spiritual gift that he has been given. So it'd be like my daughter saying, here's my Polaroid camera, Dad. It's pretty cool to use. You use it. This is a a gift and you gave the film, but you use it. And so Paul, first mention of spiritual gifts in Scripture, is saying that he wants to show up and he wants to impart to them a gift that he's been given to share. You, if you are a Christ follower, have been given a gift And you have been given that gift for a purpose. And that purpose is to share the gift with others. You ever watch somebody who gets a gift that's supposed to be shared and they hoard it? For my birthday, I went to Olive Garden. They give you a free dessert. How cool is that? He walks up to me, shows me the menu. He says, here's the dessert. Nobody else was going to order desserts. And he said, hey, do you like to share? I'm thinking, it's my birthday my birthday and he shows me the dessert that you could share with everybody at the table and I said no I'll have the cheesecake for me (laughs) I brought it home I'm going to eat it this afternoon but normally you 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 see somebody who's been given a gift you're going like that wasn't a good illustration Bowman it wasn't a good illustration I'm human all right I'm human normally though with a great gift that you've been given You need to share it because there's some gifts you can't enjoy. And I won't enumerate them. You can think about them. What kind of gift do you receive that if you just use it yourself, it's like, wow, that's boring. That's flat. You've been given a gift from the Holy Spirit, people, each of us, if we're Christ followers. And that gift is for you to impart it to someone else. You see, on this whole subject of spiritual gifts, we can get hung up really quick. Okay, what are the gifts? What's my gift? I really don't think the whole decision-making on what gift you've been received is of paramount importance. What I believe is of paramount importance is you and I deciding that whatever gift we've been given of the Holy Spirit, we're going to impart it and give it away. Because when you choose to give away the gift that God's given you, you will start to discover what your spiritual gift is pretty quick. You also start to discover what it isn't, maybe. But God has given each one of us a gift, and Paul's eager to get to them, to give them the gift. But he wants to get there to give them the gift to do what? To say, hey, look at me. How cool am I with this gift? No, he is wanting to give his gift away to strengthen them and to strengthen them in their faith. It says in Thessalonians that there's a desire to send Timothy to the people in Thessalonians so that he can strengthen them in their faith. It's the same kind of terminology here. Spiritual gifts are for the purpose of strengthening other people in their faith. In particular, maybe, when things are not going well. 
Now, I'll tell you exactly what will happen in your life if you are going um, to try to press forward with Jesus, you will hit opposition. And when you hit that opposition, there's one called the adversary, Satan himself and his workers. And as he influences things in this world, he will try to do something to you. He will try to isolate you. He will try to get you discouraged. He will try to get you to pull back from other people. He will try to get you to have a pity party. This is his job. So he says, I'm going to take this person who's trying to do something, and I'm going to just sort of isolate him over here. And sometimes God allows that to happen in his spiritual realm. He did to Job, right, if you study that story. So each one of us, no matter how super spiritual we feel we are, can find places of deep discouragement in life. And in our faith, you will be tempted to pull back from people. Let people come around you. Let them start to impart to you a spiritual gift that they may have. Because God has given the gifts through his people to strengthen each one of us in the faith. And so that's why Paul is so clear here. I want to give some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And then he goes on and he says sort of the same thing. He says that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. How do you respond to somebody when they give you great affirmation or thank yous about something you do? Sometimes it's awkward because you don't want to say, well, thank you. I'm sort of proud of that. (laughs) Right. That sort of doesn't look cool. You're trying to humbly say you know, hey, um, well, thanks. It's, it's, it's by God's grace or something, or it's my pleasure, right? When you say it's my pleasure, you're trying to sort of in a humbly way say, you know, it's, it's not really about me. It's about you. And I think that's sort of what he catches himself to do here. He says, hey, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to showing up and impart to you a spiritual gift to encourage you and strengthen you. And then he sort of reflects, well, that, that we may actually be mutually encouraged because I'm in the same boat. And um, we can encourage each other in our faith through this. Spiritual gifts are given from God, not through people. Spiritual gifts are given for you to give away to other people. And the spiritual gift that you're going to exercise in giving away is for the purpose of strengthening another person's faith. It may be somebody who is a believer in Jesus. It may be someone who is not a believer in Jesus. And in giving your gift away to encourage somebody else in their faith, there's going to be mutual encouragement. You ever do something that God's just wired you for? And when it's all done, you just sort of sit back and you just feel good. Like maybe a good workout or something like that. And you go, ah, that's, ah, I just thank you, Lord. It's just a pleasure. I'm, I'm so honored to be able to use by you. It's just that good feeling, that mutual encouragement. If you're not exercising your spiritual gift with other people, you're keeping yourself away from being mutually encouraged. And so let me give you this definition. Piper actually frames it this way. A spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith effectively in word or deed for the strengthening of someone else's faith. Or I simply put it this way. Spiritual gifts, they're expressions of faith to build the faith of others. 
we hone in on that, it doesn't matter what the spiritual gift might be, we will start to discover that we have spiritual gifts and we will find our purpose and his pleasure in the midst of it. You determine to start giving away your spiritual gift, you will start to discover what that spiritual gift is. A little later then in Romans, he says this. He says this in Romans 12, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has distributed to each of you. For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This whole idea of the body and different members, arms, legs, ears, nose, feet, toes, is a great analogy for the body of Christ. Because no two one of us in here look alike. No two of us in here act alike. No two of us in here think alike. And no two of us in here have the same gifts for the exact same purpose necessarily. God uses different parts of the body for his purposes. So though you may have, you know, a rugged John Wayne mentality of, you know, of individualism, let's take on the frontier by myself, that kind of thing. God did not call you to be a lone ranger. He called you to be a part of a community of people. It's one of the richest things we have here at the Awakening, I think. You know, we're not large and big, but we've got good, rich community. When we hang out at the gathering tonight, there's genuine love and encouragement there. We've got to protect it, and we've got to grow that. We've got to build that because there's so many people that don't have rich, vibrant community. They're not a part of a body. They're just sort of stuck over here by themselves trying to make life happen or just with their own little family. We are a body, and each of us are members, and we belong to one another. It goes on and says this. We have different gifts then according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We have different gifts. And these gifts here, again, evidence, is given to us because we deserve it, because we earned it. No, we are given them as part of God's grace. Just like we don't earn salvation, it's what Christ has done. When we receive him into our life, then our sins are forgiven because of what he did on the cross. It's by grace we have been saved through faith, and it is by grace that you and I receive spiritual gifts to encourage one another with faith. We have received these gifts one for another. And our gifts may be varied, and there's just a few that are listed here. But the the gifts will come down to the purpose of doing what? Building up another person's faith. Maybe it's a, a prophetic word of encouragement into someone's life, speaking forth the word of God. Maybe it's serving another person. And, you know, the, the gifts are, uh, the, you know, sometimes people say, oh, do you got all the gifts? Let's put them on a list. Well, Scripture really doesn't seem to exude this idea that there's a limited, defined number of gifts, and once you've got those on a half sheet of paper, you're good to go. I put a half sheet of paper in your bulletin with a list of gifts. There's 21 there, but it's not an inclusive list because Scripture never intended for there to be an inclusive list of gifts, all right? 
These gifts are given to you for the mutual building up of one another. And whatever gift you think you might have, just start exercising it. Or step into this idea. Well, put it this way. If you saw somebody that was in need, that they were discouraged, that they were down in their faith, and somebody said, just, just, just do something, what would you do? Well, try it and see where it goes. And, and, and maybe it's serving them. Maybe it's speaking to them. Maybe it's praying for them. Maybe it's helping them out in some way. Just, just do something. As you begin to move with what God wants to do in encouraging other people, you will start to find things that resonate with you that are spiritual gifts. And let me define the difference between an ability and a spiritual gift. Everybody has abilities that have been given to them by God, whether they realize it or not, and they use them in life. People are great administrators. They may be great athletes, whatever it is. All right. But a spiritual gift is not a mere natural ability because it's something that's given by God. When Jesus comes into your life through his spirit, he brings spiritual gifts with him. And then he wants you to use those spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is when you have a divine ability to strengthen and help someone out. You've received it by faith and you're giving it for the purpose of faith. There's people that practice abilities all over the world, but they're not spiritual gifted acts because they're not for the purpose of receiving the faith and then giving and encouraging the faith. But when you start to encourage other people in their faith with whatever divine abilities God has given you by faith, then that is a spiritual gift. So a lot of times there's a confusion between abilities and spiritual gifts and those things. Sometimes they align. Sometimes God redeems those abilities. Sometimes not. Sometimes you get spiritual gifts at conversion that you never had before. Or maybe you were given the gift at conversion, but you didn't unwrap it until later in life. You ever done that? Like Christmas when I was growing up, man. Oh, all the gifts, right? And in our house... You didn't hoard your gifts and everybody opened them all at the same time. We went one at a time, one at a time. And then there was always a gift left at the end, right? Well, friends, you have been given gifts. Some of those gifts you've not even discovered yet because you've not had the opportunity to unwrap them. And sometimes when you're on this pursuit to encourage other people, you step into it and you go, hey, I... I did pretty good at that. Did some other things. I probably, if Pierce in here, if you go to the student ministries, I'll, I'll give the young man who sang that first verse. That was Pierce's first time singing in a worship team. And if you understand the story of what God's doing in Pierce, uh, now I'm in trouble. Ozzy's back there, right? So I'm, gonna, I'm like, man, I'm lighting up. I'm like, wow, I wish his mom could be here today. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, right? Because I see him stepping in to serving others, to encourage them in their faith with something maybe God had given them. Not just playing the guitar, but maybe singing, right? So you unwrap spiritual gifts. I know for me there was different gifts I unwrapped. Remember the first time that I came off a stage having tried to talk in front of somebody and my professor in grad school said to me, I want you to know that you have a gift. I thought, well, thank you. No, you have a gift. And I have a comfort level being here. Do I get nervous? Yeah, every week I get sort of nervous. How's it going to put together? How's it going to flow out? But I have a comfortability in teaching, all right? And it's a gift. But I didn't know that when I was in high school, really, middle school. 
You will unwrap gifts. So you step into them. These are divine abilities that have been given to you. They may be in the area of, of word or in the area of deed, but they're for the purpose of serving and encouraging others. It's a grace that's been given to you, and you operate in that grace to be able to see that gift lived out. Some of you are familiar. We're not going to spend time going into whenever we do a series on spiritual gifts. I'll talk about it a little bit more. But I was always tripped up a lot with the supernatural gifts, you know. In particular, the gift of tongues. What is the gift of tongues? Is it the natural languages like we spoke about last week on this day of Pentecost kind of idea? Or is it prayer language that talks about in 1 Corinthians 14? Well, I remember the day in my own private prayer life when I was just seeking God. And out of the blue, I, I guess I, it was stepping into a prayer language I had never prayed before. And I'm like, well, that's what are people going to think about that now. Well, in that moment of intensely pursuing Christ, and I couldn't even get the words down. It was one of these, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You ever been there? Scripture says the Spirit intercedes for us with groans which words cannot express. And God gifted me in those moments with a prayer language to be able to just pour out my heart in prayer. Sometimes I describe it like I have dreams about sitting down at the keyboard and playing away on a piano. I had I practiced. I played. I had lessons for three years. I did really bad. <laughs> I just quit. I don't know. But I have the dreams. Maybe heaven I get to do it where I just sit down and I just get a wail away on a piano. And that's what my prayer language felt like in that moment. It's just I said, please God. Because I knew he knew my heart. That moment then I got up and I thought, oh, is that prayer language something that's a gift that I've unwrapped to be able to use to God? Now I want you to know something that happened before that. I had to let go of some of my preconceived ideas about how God operates in this world. And some of the supernatural gifts are that way. Some of the prophetic gifts, some of the gifts of miracles and healings, right? Those gifts are all for today. It's not for everybody. And it's not one up and say, hey, I'm better than you. Oh, that's all ugly stuff to God. But with spiritual gifts for the encouragement of others and for me to be able to pray for other people. You know, the time when I, that prayer language starts to come back to me the most, because I don't exercise a prayer language in my everyday life, it's when I pray over people for healing. Then I get worried, oh my gosh, what are they going to think if I start doing this prayer? But I just want to pray that Jesus would touch people and heal them. And the Spirit prays through me. You can't be closed off to any spiritual gifts, and you don't know what God has placed underneath your Christmas tree, so you open them one at a time. Okay, and when you get a gift from the Holy Spirit, you don't say, ah, sorry, I don't want to use that one. No, I gave you that gift to use in the body and awakening. So be mindful. There's different gifts in accordance with the measure of faith. Again, the same mutual encouragement. First Peter 4, 7, great and great passage. To the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Thank you, Peter. We do need to do that in our body. Then he says this in verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. 
We've got to use whatever gift God has given us to serve the body and to serve this world. If you're not using your gift, then something's missing in the church. If you're not using your gift, maybe somebody won't be able to know Christ unless you begin to exercise that moment when you step out in faith to encourage another person to have faith. We're faithful stewards. We've been given these. A steward is somebody who doesn't own it. We hold them lightly and we use them for his purposes. Whether you speak or whether you serve, together those gifts are going to strengthen other people. Please decide that you will not shun the gifts any longer in your life, whatever they may be. For ultimately, the gifts are for the last one. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. All praise to Christ Jesus. That's the purpose for spiritual gifts. I like watching really good basketball from Indiana. Some basketball I watch is very poor, very self-centered. But the basketball where they're a team and, man, they're functioning at a high level, assist, passing, defense, I sit there and go, that's a thing of beauty. That's why Golden State is now my team. But listen, there's something far more beautiful than a basketball team functioning together with all their gifts and their roles. It's when the body of Christ is doing it. And you do, you go, that is so cool. See, I don't have all the gifts. No one in here has all the gifts. But all the gifts are needed to encourage the body and to move a church forward for the purposes of the kingdom. We have to do this together. When it comes to exercising the gifts, you need to explore the gifts. You need to experiment with them. Step into it. You need to examine your feelings after you exercise certain gifts or initiatives to encourage others. And then, not only do you need to evaluate, you need to have others evaluate with you. What I've given you in your program today is a list of spiritual gifts. It's not inclusive. That list comes from an assessment that you see at the bottom of the page. You can go online. You can take that assessment. I took a couple different spiritual gifts assessments again this week. When I take my spiritual gifts assessments in thegiftstest.com, these are the ones that came out. Teaching, apostleship, prophecy, exhortation, and leadership. I said, yeah, that fits pretty good. You know one that's not on there? Pastor Shepherd. Oh, Gary, you're a pastor. I know I'm pastor. I don't know why they don't have more names for us. I do okay shepherding and pastoring at some levels. But if you saw my gifts that are at the bottom, at the bottom is like mercy. That sounds terrible. (laughs) But some of you, mercy is up there. Some of shepherding, pastoring up there. If I neglect my primary mix of gifts, this body will not be well served. You will not be well served. But you have gifts that I don't have, each one of us, and together it's a beautiful mix and harmony of them being used by God. 
I'm going to have Joe come back up, and uh, we're going to close. There's one more that I want to end with. Because I want you to know this as it relates to the Holy Spirit. That you and I are to abide daily in the Holy Spirit. And as we abide daily in the Holy Spirit, we will have victorious joy. We will have lasting fruit. And we will have enduring love. We began this series in John 14. We touched a little bit on John 16. But in John 15... Jesus himself teaching his disciples words before the cross that he probably had to remind them and teach them again after the resurrection and before he ascended to the heavens. He talks greatly about this aspect of abiding. We won't drop there other than to just mention it. I want you to know that this Holy Spirit that we've challenged you to be empowered by in these weeks is the Holy Spirit, if you are a Christ follower, that dwells within you and you are to abide with Him. And as you abide with Him, read through John 15 on your own. You will see that He gives joy. And that He enables you to bear fruit abundantly. And that He is able to help you have enduring love even in the midst of tribulation. The batteries are included. But it's not a battery you've been given. You've been given Jesus himself. That's why he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, I cannot send the helper, the Holy Spirit to you. But when he comes, this is what he will do. He will convict. He will empower. He will encourage. He will be your advocate. He will give you guidance. He will give you direction. And the helper, he will testify of me, Jesus said. And you too will testify of me. The Holy Spirit has been given to you and I for us to live life and to live it abundantly with victorious joy, bearing fruit, and enduring love for this world. This church will go nowhere unless we are a people filled with the Holy Spirit, using our spiritual gifts to encourage and strengthen others and to bring the lost to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we end. A series on the Holy Spirit. Foundational series. In two weeks, we light it up for the summer. We're going to talk about the characteristics of Christ through a series called The Fruit of the Spirit. Let's close. Ushers come with the tithes and offerings.